This is the Legal Lounge from Lanyon Bowdler Solicitors, where you'll hear about many aspects of law in England and Wales with special guests, industry experts, and local charities. Here's your host, Amanda Jones. Hello, and welcome to the Legal Lounge, where we now release new episodes every Monday. If you haven't heard previous shows, there's plenty of content for you. If you're going through a divorce, want to know more about claiming for injuries, or you're training to be a lawyer, you can listen to these shows on your favourite podcast app and get more information by visiting lblaw.co.uk forward slash podcast. In this podcast, Seanid Williams, a solicitor in our private client team, chats with investment managers Robert Daly and Alad Jones from Canaccord Genuity Wealth about their approach to helping individuals with their investment management, managing risk and the importance of having wills and lasting powers of attorney in place. So I'm Sean Ed and I'm here today with Rob and Aled from Canaccord. I'm a solicitor, as you know, and Rob and Aled are investment managers. So we thought it would be a good idea today to get together just to have a general chat to see how we as solicitors work with investment managers and see how we work best for clients, really, just to have a general chat. So Rob and Aled, uh, if one of you want to go first, um, just what is your general role at Canaccord? At Canaccord, Aled and I, like you said, we're both investment managers. We work with solicitors quite regularly. Clients tend to come to solicitors when major life events are happening for them. So whether it's looking at things like wills, powers of attorney, it might be something to do with matrimonial circumstances, children, um, illness and so forth. They can prove to be quite good touch points for people to revisit their finances look at how they're set up and how their circumstances have dictated changes that may need to take place. I have worked in financial services for 25 years. Um, We do a lot of work with legal practices across the whole of the Northwest and um, particularly when dealing with private client work, so probates um, and that kind of aspect. And I think Canaccord, like many wealth management firms, provides an opportunity for people to essentially have a financial MOT on their circumstances and just make sure that their best position to take into account flexibility. Yes, yeah, so that provides an opportunity for people to reassess um, their personal finances and look at making sure they're set up optimally going forward. Um, there's been a lot of talk about potential changes to taxation as we approach the next general election. Yeah. Um, both political parties have, have muted various different ideas. So it's important to keep abreast of those changes and how they might impact people. But also, Providing that personal service for people, not being a transactional relationship with a client where we do a bit of work for them and disappear off the face of the planet for for a period of time. Yeah, we have keep regular that relationship. Yeah, yeah, it's vitally important in the, in the job that we have to really know that client mm. because the more that we know about them, not just about their finances, but their family circumstances, their health circumstances, even things like their interests and their hobbies and things like that, just means that you can tailor your investment solution absolutely bespoke to that client and make sure that you can foresee events that maybe they don't appreciate might occur and make sure that they don't have any unforeseen surprises going forward. Yeah, that's why I enjoy by the work is because no two clients are the same, you know, they're very different. And so the way we need to adapt to that is different as well from risk, amount of income, they may have ethical constraints and just, you know, uh, everything needs to be uh, factored in and uh, needs to be decided accordingly. We, you know, so we do tailor it to to people's individual circumstances, which is quite important. But like uh, Robert was saying now, it's not just the personal uh, clients, which Mm -hmm. whilst they're still the majority of, um, of clients, we also deal quite closely with solicitors on other 
matters like um, trusts and solicitors might act as trustees quite often and yeah. charities and so on. Um, we also run uh, many on behalf of uh, businesses and um, and pensions. And sometimes some of the same individuals can be involved in many aspects of, of these, you know, maybe running a charity which they're a trustee of or their, their pension. Uh, the family money is quite common that we run money across um, several different uh, generations as well. And, you know, we've got good relationship with the grandparents, the parents, yeah. the children. Uh, it's the probably family. quite Yeah, <laughs> probably quite similar with you as well, isn't it, the, yeah. the way you operate? Yeah, it definitely is. So obviously, uh, like Rob said, with, you know, when a client comes in to see a solicitor, it might be for wills, lasting powers of attorney, but more generally speaking, they might want to just, you know, polish their life up a little bit, you know, get everything sorted. So it is really important to get to know them. And so when you, like you say, get to know a client, how do you kind of speak to them about their risk profile and see what investments would be best for them? I think when, you, when you're talking about risk, there's different elements to it. You have a client's desire for risk. Yeah. You have some clients that want to take a lot of risk. Some clients are massively risk averse. You have a client's um, risk requirement. So they might have certain objectives. Maybe that's a certain level of income they want from their investments or a certain degree of capital growth. And you have to balance that between their their risk need, their risk requirement, and what we call their capacity for loss. So their, their ability to be comfortable with the volatility that's going to come from those different levels of risk. Because there's no point in having someone that thinks or believes they want a very risky, high growth portfolio if they're sat there worrying themselves to death every single night and yeah. checking into the portfolio on a sort of hour by hour basis and, and sort of living on their nerves. That's not what we want clients to, to be. We want clients to be relaxed and comfortable and understand that inevitably when you're investing, there's going to be periods when values go down, there's going to be periods when values go up. We have clients that are long term investors. It's about managing what a client thinks they need to take as far as risk compared to what they actually need to take as far as risk. Because if you don't need to take the level of risk that they think they want to take, well, it's pointless. You're just adding an element of uncertainty and volatility into a portfolio that they may not even have to have there. We always tend to be cautious with clients. We don't tend to be cavalier with people's money at all. Personally, I would rather even be slightly too cautious with a client rather than being too aggressive. I think we've seen a very unusual scenario over the last sort of 12 months where because of the interest rate and inflation environment we found ourselves in, a lot of the more cautious portfolios, which have higher exposure to traditionally more conservative parts of investing, so things like fixed interest, those portfolios have been more adversely impacted than clients that have sat in the sort of the middle end or sort of the middle part of the risk profile because they have less exposure to fixed interest investment. So it's been quite interesting that that scenario has happened, but with what's happening with interest rates and inflation that's now for a new investor, it's a, it's a completely different proposition and actually quite an exciting opportunity that exists within that fixed interest space yeah. at the moment. It's quite interesting because we've seen two ends of the spectrum almost in you know quite a short space of time, haven't we? Absolutely. I mean, you've, you've got a generation that's only ever lived in a low interest rate, low inflationary environment. And within the space of 12 months, that has completely changed. We've seen lots of talk about the, the issues with mortgages and people's people on fixed rate mortgages coming up for those being renegotiated. It's going to have a huge impact across the board with the housing market being as it has been for the last decade or so. 
people have got big mortgages. It's a fact of life, um, especially people when they're starting out on the housing ladder. So it's going to have a huge impact to people. But being able to adapt to that, I think that's what we are very proud of, is that we have the flexibility within our portfolios. When people are clients of, of us as a firm, it's an ongoing relationship. People's attitude to risk will change as they progress through their lives. Young people, very keen to take risk. People, as they get older, become more and more risk averse because they don't want to put at risk the financial asset they spent their whole yeah, life working very hard to yeah. accumulate. And it's having the flexibility to move throughout the risk profile, not just because of their circumstances, but also as the market itself changes. There's going to be periods where we want to take risk off the table because we're uncertain about what's going on. There'll be other periods of time where the market will look very, very appetising and clients might feel and we can have a conversation with them about potentially increasing the level of risk that they're on. Yeah, it's very central to what we do and you know, risk and part of that as well is being very honest from the outset and giving them scenarios and saying to clients or potential clients, you know, th- th- there is a risk, you could lose money and how would you feel? Obviously nobody would be happy, but how would you react if the portfolio fell 20% in a 12-month period? Mm-hmm. You know, giving those uh, sort of circumstances is quite important because it's a two-way thing really so like like rob was saying if you've got a big mortgage and if that's due to um you know the, the fixed period is about to come to an end and they're going to be paying five six percent yeah there's a case for you know taking some money out and maybe not investing and paying something towards the mortgage so we've got duty of care and make sure that they can afford it and they've got enough sort of rainy day funds behind them the second part is helping the client decide for themselves whether if they can afford it whether they're comfortable with it and that's where these scenarios come in because like Rob said if they can't really sleep at night if they're worried and it's more of a hindrance and a help it's not really helping them the quality of life which is worried all the time then it's a that picture, made, isn't it? yeah it's, you've, got, you've got to th- uh, think of it that way by the bigger picture rather than just purely on, on, on financial basis but uh, but we can do quite a lot of people think that investment managers deal with shares if the FTSE 100 is is um, down 50% of portfolio might be down 50% and yes we do invest quite a lot in, in, in shares and certainly could do have the potential and if someone's got quite a high risk appetite do that where suitable but we don't just invest in FTSE 100 when we invest in shares we invest and spread the risk across the world the FTSE so the UK is about 4% of the world most of the best companies therefore are overseas so we invest quite a lot in the US for example but we're not just restricted to shares we buy a lot of other safer assets you know, Rob's already touched on bonds you know fixed income like the name suggests a bit more stability to both income and capital which now pays about 5% for government bonds a big improvement on we've seen since the last 15 years since the financial crisis you know some of the other companies are paying in excess of 6% so all of a sudden with the big shifts we've seen recently they become quite attractive and it's not just cash or shares you know there are other things that we can get a different mixture between shares and bonds and a different sort of uh, alternative investments to get the right mix of clients so we can we actually create client risk between one and nine so we have that sort of subtlety it's not you get a share portfolio high risk or nothing it's yeah. not quite it's a lot more nuanced than that yeah, and we can yeah. tailor it according to clients uh, circumstances so that's you know the client's risk and attitude towards risk but what about the risk of investments so how do you determine that an investment is too risky perhaps for that client or you know with the type different types of investments i mean as a, as a firm we have a chief investment office which is comprises of analysts um, researchers 
not just on sectors, but on geographic areas as well. Um, Canacord, we're very fortunate that because we are such a big firm, um, we're um, listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange. We have offices across Canada and the US. So we have access to research on a global basis, which is a massive asset to us. We have a, a daily research meeting at nine o'clock every morning with those analysts on teams where all the investment managers listen in and we get an update on what's happened in the previous 24 hours will that be on a macro position so looking at things like uh, I know jobs figures inflation figures those kind of things but also looking at individual companies that are announcing results and how those results impact our opinion of that company and that narrows down the investment universe into a narrower field of effectively approved investments that we can choose from that selection that weeds out the outlying companies and stocks where either the the financials don't make compelling argument um there's concerns about governance and those kind of issues Um, there might be political or regulatory issues with those companies as well so all those companies kind of get weeded out of, of the proposition and then we're left with a selection of direct stocks, um, unit trusts, investment trusts, corporate bonds, things like that, and other alternative investments that we as investment managers and working within within our branch, we have our own preferences and we and we slot those into portfolios depending on what a client's interests are. You may have a client that's got a particular interest in a particular sector. Yeah. They may want exposure to a particular sector because they're familiar with it or and we have the flexibility to, to tailor their portfolio not just their circumstances but also their interests i think clients as well if you've got a portfolio with direct equities in there as well whether they're uk equities or us equities as well i think clients quite enjoy being able to have something tangible about what about what their money's invested in yeah and they understand yeah yeah, yeah there's uh, in proportion and assuming it's in in line with the, the risk and the profile of the client having those direct equities in there like i say just gives people a bit of interest in what their money's invested in if it's invested in the unit trust clients kind of understand what it is but if you actually drill down and ask them okay what's your money actually sitting in what are you actually investing in they probably wouldn't understand or be able to list the companies whereas when you've got some direct equities in there clients like being able to say oh i've got some shares in i don't know amazon or i've got some shares in bp or it gives them some tangibility to what their money's doing for them for somebody that doesn't understand investments very much (laughs) and somebody you know it's quite interested in it but sometimes it can feel a bit overwhelming and that's probably the same for quite a lot of your clients but if you can actually sit down with an investor and say listen this is what i'm interested in this is what i would like for my money to be invested in then it makes it a lot more less difficult doesn't it? It makes it easier for clients to feels more understand. tangible, doesn't it? If you yeah, invest definitely. in something and a company you know, because it feels so. I don't know. It just doesn't feel tangible at all. But if you say I'm investing in Tesco, and you can see the local Tesco, yeah, it's more different, and you can uh, you understand the business as one. Well. And that's exactly what Rob was saying about investing directly it, um, rather than through funds, because mm-hmm. it, it retains more elements of control as well. When you do buy funds, they can be great, especially for you know, some of the um, smaller clients for diversification purposes. But but investing directly, it's, it, it's really useful because especially for people who've got quite not very common sort of requirements they may have some sort of ethical constraints or something quite um i've got clients who've got conflict of interest because they've got phd student writing about particular sectors or oh, doing a lot of research yeah. and those sort of things and you can't go to a, a fund house and say oh can you please change your mandate because i've got one of these because you're just yeah. pulling them all together thousands of people mm. so
so investing directly just allows you to tailor a bit better to a client's specific circumstances. You bring the cost down as well because at the end of the day, you know, cost comes from uh, performance as an yeah. impact on the overall uh, bottom line. So something we are, uh, you know, very conscious of um, that does need to be considered. I think another thing is that I think clients have a preconception that wealth management firms like us that you can't set through step through the door unless you have assets of a certain value and that it is like you say it can be quite daunting people feel quite intimidated by it i think that's that's something that is frustrating and uh, and disappointing really i think as a as a society we aren't great at talking about money families very much tend to not talk about money um and i think especially with education and things like that people don't get taught as much about personal finances potentially they should really do so I think I what I find fascinating and what I love about my job is just sitting down with clients if, if clients choose to choose to use us great if they don't use us I know that they will have walked out of that meeting better informed and more likely to make a positive decision than they would have done otherwise yeah we won't always be the, the right fit for a client whether it's down to I don't know the nature of the firm, the individual cost, performance, but a multitude of different things. It can prove to not be right. But having had that meeting, any meeting we have with clients, there's no, there's no cost, there's no commitment. It's just about imparting information to people. But they're more likely to come away and make a good decision than they are from just kind of sitting on their hands potentially or rushing into something that they're not fully briefed about. Really, mm. yeah, it does make tax planning a bit harder. If- uh, if generation don't talk to each other and so on as well I'm not sure do you get that sort of experience in in your job with guys who time. yeah, yeah. We, you know we have clients who like you say wait until the end of their life to discuss these things when it's often too late and so yeah there are some horror stories <laughs> that I'm sure we could all share um, but yeah it just makes things much easier if you discuss those things now and you know just have a collaborative approach with it being able to work with our our own financial planners and do some cash flow modeling it means that you can give people some sort of idea of what their financial journey is going to look like and how it will be impacted by varying degrees of portfolio performance by them maybe spending more money than they would otherwise think they could spend. There's nothing more enjoyable than than having a client that you go and see that as a result of your actions and what you've done to them, you've seen that they've been able to make a positive impact on only themselves or their family. So and you see someone buy a car that you know that they wanted their whole life to buy. And you, because of conversations you've had with us and our financial planners, they can afford to do that. You see people who are able to make gifts to their children or their grandchildren. A lot of clients as well, that from my experience, they're scared of gifting money because they don't know the tax consequences. They hear of capital gains tax and inheritance tax. They don't know what it means, but they think that they just have to sit on this money, that they can't really do anything with it, which is when they come to see us, it's often, like you say, even if they don't end up doing anything with us, they've had that positive experience and they've been able to share their concerns and we've hopefully been able to make things a little bit easier for them. Um, And like you say, for people to be able to share what they've built up during their lifetime and actually see that enjoyment for their family during their life as opposed to you know in a bequest in a in a will yeah it's quite important as well just sometimes people think that millionaires come to us wanting to be to be billionaires yeah. <laughs> it's, it's quite very rarely the case um you know it, it gets people sometimes in that exact situation but sometimes they're what they're looking for it's very simple mm. it's just peace of mind to make things easier simplify their finances and make life far easier for their loved ones if they 
get ill, if something happens to them, or if yeah. they pass. It can make things significantly easier if you've got one point of contact, someone local that you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to several different call centres because you've got share certificates everywhere. Uh, and, yeah, it's just making the, the administration and the tax return much easier because you get one document supplied by us or someone else like us even. So simple, sometimes just simple things like that they can just allow someone to just be happy and know that if something happened or if they know you know they're not well and they know you've got terminal illness that everything's going to be okay and yeah. things are sorted and things are, are in have, their affairs are in order sometimes yeah. it's just as straightforward as that i think it's really important like you say have your affairs in order and it's very beneficial as well for you know solicitors on a death of a loved one they might come to us and they say you know we don't know what this person has they have assets everywhere well it's so much better for that family member to be able to say this was this person's financial financial advisor or investment manager and say you know go to them they know absolutely everything and that is just you know peace of mind for the family member before they pass or if anything is happening in their life and um, to make them need that advice i think it is just like as you say it's just so beneficial just to have everything together in one place isn't it it is like you say it just means that people at a time where they're grieving it just takes elements of stress away for the family they can concentrate on their loved ones they can concentrate on their children or their uh, the widow or whoever and just make sure they're focusing their time and attention on that rather than dealing with multiple different financial institutions trying to extract information which unless you've got the correct paperwork and legal documents in place is incredibly difficult i mean when whenever we have meetings with clients existing clients and new clients we always ask them have they got wills and powers of attorney in place because it's vitally important it's vitally important you, you see and you hear instances where people have, have had a torrid time of it and it's just like i say you would buy insurance for your house and your car why would you not do those kind of get those legal documents in place so that your transition is is as smooth as possible for the rest yeah. of your family yeah exactly i mean as you know that is what i deal with on a daily basis wills and lasting powers of attorney and you would be so shocked with the amount of people that come to us and say i haven't got anything at all and these people might be in their 70s sometimes their 80s and you just think well it's a shock really to see that they've gotten that far without doing any planning but it's never too late it's never too late to come um, and say you know i need to do a will even if it's something so simple sitting down with a solicitor and to deal with those things it's just yeah i can't even say how important it is yeah i get the same experience i speak to clients quite often and i ask exactly the same question have you got will and if so is it quite recent has Mm -hmm. it been reviewed have you got a lasting power of attorney in place and it's quite incredible how often you know they're not in place and i think we just as a society we're quite poor about talking about these things and don't yeah. want to think about it obviously there are plenty of people who do but i think we could be a bit better if we're a bit more open about these things and yeah it's not just necessarily one's passing it's just ill health how many cases you've got where family is struggling try, trying to sort a lot of things out so lasting power attorney is a problem now mm-hmm. may need a court of protection and all the, the issues with that uh, meanwhile because of pay for care home maybe and they've got money everywhere and you know try and sort out the finances yeah so you know it's just do just a brief relatively simple you know things beforehand can save a lot of hassle and um and stress uh, later on and with lasting powers of attorney so they're obviously the documents that you would have to put in place when you have capacity in the event that you may not have capacity in the future and i always tell clients i like to think of them as an insurance policy like you said earlier rob um they are an insurance policy but it's insuring your mental capacity in a way you might never need them but it's 
so imperative that people do have them, especially if they have investments. Have you had any experience of, you know, people not having lasting powers of attorney and not being able to access their investments or anything like that? Any issues? I I mean, I have not, not through work, but through someone I used to work with who he retired, went on a retirement cruise. Pretty much all of their personal finances was were in his name. And he had a massive heart attack on this cruise. And his wife was in an awful situation where she was really struggling to access funds to mm. repatriate his body. And that's a horrendous situation to be. I mean, not only the shock of her husband passing away suddenly. Yeah, exactly. Something you But to be overseas and, and have to deal with that must mm. have been absolutely horrendous. Like you say, it's an insurance policy and it's, it's vitally important. And I think with clients as well, when they've got lasting powers of attorney in place, especially as people get a little bit older as well, quite often recommend if they want to have their attorneys present when we're having review meetings with people, yeah. just so that they're aware of what's there. They're aware of the nature of the assets and why they're structured the way they are, so that if that person is to lose capacity, they're kind of fairly up to speed with the finances, why we've got investments in these particular type of products mm-hmm. and um, underlying investments, the accessibility of those, whether they're income generating or growth orientated. And it's, it's like I say, it's important to take that collaborative approach. It's not about trying to shield anyone from anything. Obviously, you, you discuss with the client if they're happy for that to be the case, but mm-hmm. it makes a traumatic time and a worrying time. I'm going through it with my own father-in-law at the moment where he's, he's had a health issue. It's been a big learning curve for us as a family and you just want to concentrate on that person. That person is the, the number one priority in your yeah. life and everything else kind of rightly goes goes on hold as it should do. Mm. To be able to do that and concentrate on that person is, is absolutely worth every single penny of an LPA and that piece of paper it's it's literally worth its weight in gold isn't it? Um, Going back to the more technical elements of the investment portfolios um, I just wanted to know when you deal with clients and things don't go as planned how do you you know how do you inform a client that their investment is not doing as expected um, essentially? It's about being proactive March 2020 was an incredibly difficult time portfolios fell in market fell significantly it's partly about the outset about preparing clients beforehand it's not that we could foresee covid you know with the opening account in 2017 we can say oh in 2020 this will happen but it's about being open honest and upfront with them about the risks what their level of risk could lead to should there be a big uh, you know event if the market fell by a big amount but yeah it's been then being proactive so you know, what a lot of people could have done is, oh, dear me, it's March 2020, things are, are down significantly, I'm just going to hide and not contact my clients, but I don't want them to ask what my portfolio is worth. I don't want to give them bad news, you know, it could easily uh, be taken the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, clients are not, are, are not stupid, and that's that's not great for trust either. No. It's, I'm not just going to call them up when things are, are great. So it's about calling them up, reassuring, yeah. and I think that's always better than, because clients are worrying anyway. And it's about, yeah, talking to them, up through what's happening, the type of stocks we've got, uh, why we're we confident, you know, whilst things are tough, you know, they wouldn't go bankrupt. And anyway, we're talking to, to them then about the type of stocks we had, and we had, you know, type of like some Microsoft and so on in there. And, you know, the stocks were like that were down. Not to the same, the same extent as some of the others, and saying the rationale for it, well, people are working from home, so we still expect a bit of a, a bounce back, I think there's a bit of a panic. Yeah. And talk about through a few specific uh, uh, stories like that, and said, so quite confident that there will be some sort of recovery. But what well, I saw then at the end of 2020 was that portfolio was ended up higher generally than they started the year, which was bizarre. 
I've got to be honest, I did not foresee that. Yeah, um, I don't think anyone could no, ever. <laughs> no, no, but um, you know, the, the vaccines came through quickly, and, yeah. and the Mac is always looking ahead, and they could see how we would, during the course of 20, 2021, pull out of the COVID um, sort of recession and the difficult times. It's just about being completely honest and upfront with them, and people appreciate that. And we've got clients who've been with us for decades, and some have reached a stage where they just shrug, and I've seen all this before, I've seen the financial crisis, it'll come back. Some of those, especially those who are newer, maybe the first one, mm. you know, it, 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 it's a bit hard, it? but, you know, they're aware of it. You've spoken to them at the outset, but still, it's not pleasant when it happens. It's yeah. just talking them through it, explaining what happened, what's happening, and, and, you know, the rationale for what we've got in that portfolio. That's very, very important to people. And just, yeah. and just be approachable. If you get any questions, any queries, please just get in touch. Yeah. And it's about re-emphasizing that so they don't think they're a burden or they've got a way for me to call them or something. You can call at any time. And we've got people, some people won't contact me at all and it's up to me to be proactive. Others, people will email me, you know, every other week. You know, it varies and that's, and that's fine. I think when, you, when you're talking about risk as well, when we're ascertaining people's um, level of risk they should be taking, yeah. we talk about these sort of, the range of returns you could expect and we talk about a sort of the doomsday scenario when the worst performing period for that particular level of risk and what that really bad looked like so that people have got an idea of the range of returns and the volatility that they could expect in a portfolio and like Alice said it's very easy to to kind of contact clients regularly when their portfolio is going up in value and you can kind of bask in your glory it's even more important and even more uh, vital to have that contact with clients when periods of time of, of volatility and uncertainty to reassure them that we know that we are doing what, what we want the portfolio to be doing we're diversified so although this the value may be fluctuating we've got different types of assets in there that perform in different market conditions um, and explaining that to the clients and being and addressing their fears and their concerns and just making sure that they're comfortable when picking up the phone to us whether it's once a day whether it's once a week or once a month that's what we're there for is to, is to make sure that they understand and they're comfortable with the financial journey they're on i suppose in markets like ali said about about covid we saw a, a big drop in covid and a big recovery with the financial crisis similarly saw a big drop and a recovery on the back of that investing is a strange one in some it's a little bit like surfing if there's no waves you can't surf and with investing a very very flat non-moving market is a very difficult place to try and make some money with anything that happens geopolitically on individual sectors or stocks or stuff like that, there will be companies that benefit as we saw with covid we saw companies like zoom that we'd never heard of before exactly. no yeah. one had ever heard of zoom and then suddenly out of nowhere it was like the way to communicate with people. Companies like Peloton did really well in, in lockdown because the market changes and these opportunities come to the fore and then other companies really suffer. And that, that's what's fascinating about the job is seeing the way that companies ebb and flow and companies come to the fore that you've not heard before and companies that don't adapt and don't change fall by the wayside. And that will continue to be the case as, as life continues around us. And with the cost of living now as well, you know, I've been, you know, I know Robert, you've been as well, we've been very proactive and just contacting people just to ask, how are you, how are you managing? Are yeah. you struggling? It's still okay for you. Yeah, is your income sufficient? Um, um, so that's quite important. Some people have seen their costs go up quite a lot. The headline figure of 
you know, inflation went above 10%. That, that's an average. Some people, especially those who are on lower incomes, because even if people have got quite a lot of capital, they've not necessarily got that much income coming in. Their, their inflation, with food inflation close to 20% at one stage, you know, could be quite a bit higher. Um, it's just about reaching out, seeing if there's anything we can do to help. Uh, that's very important. On the other hand, when inflation is high, it can be, uh, and they're freezing the allowances, same again next year. So more and more people are being captured by these um, tax. Um, so basically, they're paying more tax now. So people don't realise that really, do they? No, either? it's um, a stealth no. tax in a way. Exactly the case. The rate stays the same, but it captures more and more people paying the higher rate taxes on now. So it's about that has an impact on us and how we invest as well. So obviously, we, we, we've got the benefit. We can like property, so on. We can put money into ICES, which are great. So a couple can put 40,000 in between them. So they're, they're a great option for both uh, income and capital gains tax. But um, there's other things we you know we can do. We, we I know we work with yourselves and our financial planners really comes to inheritance tax planning where yes. possible, because that's capturing a lot more people as well. But also for higher rates taxpayers, or a lot of them have been affected by, you know, they may get 5% in the bank. But if they're paying 40% tax on that, in reality, you know, they're getting 3%. Yeah. And they've got all the hassle of maybe having to go and get the, do a tax return and sort of hassle. So more and more people now are thinking, well, are there any other options outside devices? There, there are a few things we can do. I don't want to get too technical, but uh, bonds which pay very little income, they were created during times of COVID and the last few years, winter rates are so low, so pay very little income. But because they're not even as attractive now, they've fallen in price, meaning that we can get 5 6% return, mostly from capital, which is tax-free. Whilst the return is more or less the same, net of all the taxes, and, um, you know, it, it's quite a bit higher. So there's a few things we can do, and we can adapt to circumstances, both the clients and the, uh, and the fiscal situation which is happening with the budgets and so on. Work a lot more with, with yourselves as well. But also, whilst individuals and families have got much higher returns in the in the bank, so they're getting 5 6%, that does not apply to trusts, companies, charities, they're not, the banks and building society is not quite as generous with them, so they're getting sometimes well below 1%. So when they can invest with us in a very sh- sort of short dated bonds, we call them, so matter of months to go until they mature. Even though they can sell at any time, you know, we still buy very short dated, so they almost sort of a, a act like a, a, a cash, but with slightly higher risk. But they can get much higher return, again, somewhere near 5%, which is significantly better than they can yeah, get because they've sort of, yeah, they've lost out and they've fallen behind. Many of the, you know, the individuals do with these interest rate increases we've seen in the last, um, the last uh, 18 months or so. I think, like you mentioned earlier, I think the, the cut to capital gains tax allowances kind of seem to slip under the radar for a lot of people, cutting again as we move into the next tax year. So from sort of um, the start of the next tax year, a trust is only going to have £1,500 capital gains tax allowance. Well, the average size of a trust, that's absolutely nothing. And things like some of the fixed interest investments Alec was just talking about gives you the ability to tailor the composition of a portfolio to take into account that changing taxation position and still try and get a positive outcome for for trustees in that instance, but for clients in general. It's about adaptability. It's about looking at what's going on with, with markets, with taxation, with people's just general what's going on with the world and adapting to those change of circumstances and bringing investment ideas to clients and saying to them, okay this is what we started out with but the world has changed a little bit we're going to what about potentially moving to a slightly different proposition um, and giving them the option 
whether they want to do it. We, with our clients, we don't force them to do something they don't want to do. So things like like we talked about risk changing as people progress through their lives. Mm-hmm. You'll have periods of time where people want to draw income from a portfolio. You'll have periods of time where people purely focused on capital growth, but having the ability to fl- to adapt and change to that. It, it just, yeah, and it, it builds that long-term relationship with the clients and it means that you're completely aware of who they are, what stage of life they're at, what they're what they're looking to achieve, and you're working. It's a collaborative approach. You're working with the client and having those that sort of triangle of, of trusted advisors that mean that there's the chance of an unforeseen an tax bill or legal ramification or a, a jolt to their investments is less likely because everyone's working together with a client in the middle for their benefit. Everyone's already aware of the situation, so it can make things, yeah. You have a a coherent approach to what they're doing because you you might have a client that's got a massively risky property portfolio and they want to have a massively risky investment portfolio and you might have to say to to the client, okay, well, surely you need to counterbalance that aspect of your overall finances with something less risky over here because with what's happened with with interest rates we've seen clients that maybe have got investment properties or portfolio of investment properties maybe looking to reduce that as the impact of interest rates and legislation around landlords and so forth has has made that a slightly less attractive proposition than it has been previously and they're looking for a home for cash that they've realized from properties and that might be permanently that might just be for a window of opportunity until the housing market becomes more attractive again but working with them to sort of make sure that their their cash is working best it can do for them. Thanks to Seanid and to our special guests, Robert and Aled. If you have a legal issue you'd like me to put to our team to cover in an upcoming episode, please let me know by visiting lblaw.co.uk forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening. If you found the conversation useful, please remember to follow or subscribe on your app so you're notified of new releases when they come out every Monday. Speak to you next week. That was the Legal Lounge from Lanyon Bowdler Solicitors. Visit lblaw.co.uk slash podcast for helpful resources. And please do follow or subscribe on your podcast app so you never miss an episode.